This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. Our very first First day of the new year, first service, study, and all of that of the new year. New beginnings. New beginnings. And I've been promising this uh, probably since a, a week or two before Christmas what tonight's study was going to be about. I know we've been in Matthew all through 2018 with just a few exceptions, but I wanted to start tonight's study, given the day of the year, on this subject. Most of our studies are textual studies. We teach book by book in the Bible to cover everything. Let nothing fall through the cracks. But every now and again, we'll have a topical study. And tonight is going to be one of those nights. And so turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, All things are become new. And this is going to be our springboard for tonight's study. God, as we know, as I hope we know, as I hope we know concerning His character, is a God of new starts. He's a God of new beginnings. A God of second chances, third chances, fifth and tenth chances many times. He has proven this many times over the course of human history. He gave the human race a new start very much in the natural sense. He gave the human race a new start after the flood. He gave the, new, the human race a new start following the flood of Noah with a new beginning there. And then in Jesus, we find the most personal of new beginnings possible given to every individual who actually believes on him. And that's our theme throughout the whole teaching tonight is new beginnings. In Christ, we find the new beginning that we weren't able to achieve by any other means. And come the new year as a time of year, it provides a similar opportunity because of the mentality that comes along with it. And it, it, that stretches across all kinds of boundaries, social boundaries, political boundaries, ideological boundaries. Almost everybody celebrates the new year. They don't always celebrate it at the same time. I forget when the Jewish new year is. I think we're somewhere in the year 5700. No kidding, on the Jewish calendar. And then the Chinese, they celebrate a new year. I don't remember exactly when that is that they celebrate it. But the new year is something that is observed as a time for new beginnings. The old year has passed away. It has taken the hurts Uh, of our trials and perhaps even our bad decisions along with it, mostly. Some of those pains still remain. Some of those hurts still remain. We feel the aches of things that we should have done better, yes. And there are some things that we should have done better. I'm not speaking of anything in particular. I'm just talking about the human experience. Raise your hand if you did everything perfect this last year. Now you'll repent for lying. We'll have an altar call after the Bible study. But seriously, there's always something that we could have done right, could have handled better, could have said better, uh, could have done better, or could have not done because it turned out to be the wrong thing. 
lots of different ways to go through it. We feel those aches, they follow us into the new year sometimes, but the promise that is in the new year is a chance to do things right where we previously might have done things wrong. That's the promise of the new year, and that's why it's such a special time. And we can use the new year as a new start. It's a chance to hit the reset button, to pray, to clear our minds, to clear our hearts, to recommit our lives into the hands of our faithful God and Father. And it's not that the, it's not that the day or the year or anything like that carries its own special power. It doesn't. It just lends itself for the opportunity to stop, reflect, okay, 2018 came at me like a freight train. 2019 I'm going to handle differently. And we've shared different examples about that. And I don't want to, I don't want to wear any, uh, I don't want to wear any stories too thin or threadbare, but it really does lend itself to newness and to fresh starts and to beginning again. And so what I want to talk about in our teaching, what I want to teach about is the right kind of new beginning and then continuing in a new beginning and then how to ensure a successful new beginning. So it's kind of a teaching in three points and we're going to jump back and forth between three different verses of Scripture and we're going to go back to, let's start again where we were here, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Let's read what he says again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Main focus in there is verse 17 in the first, the first line, not even the full sentence, the first line of verse 18, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The right new beginning is the kind of new beginning that a person wants to have. And that right kind of new beginning is found with newness in Christ, not just in turning over new leaves. There's a world of difference between these two things, okay? And we'll explore it a little bit more deeply. And I don't know if we'll be 30 minutes or 40 minutes tonight. We'll see. But I want to make a thorough job of this teaching. It's in newness in Christ, not just in turning over new leaves. There's a fundamental difference between the two, between just turning over a new leaf or trying to form a new habit and embracing the newness of life that God offers us in Christ. Well, all right. Well, what are the differences then? You say there's a profound difference. There's a fundamental difference. What's that difference? Well, turning over a new leaf. Turning over a new leaf. Always refers to a specific change in behavior, doesn't it? Turning over a new leaf refers to a specific change in behavior. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to rob fewer banks or try to break the habit of robbing banks or I'm going to uh, try to eat better. Or I'll, try, uh, I'll try to exercise more. I got a brother who's been encouraging me in that in that area and it's starting to bear fruit. Not much yet, but we will by and by. But turning over a new leaf, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing or that it's something that should be cast away. I'm just saying that it's 
Not the same thing as a new beginning. It involves a change in behavior, perhaps sometimes a, a change in attitudes as well as it should. It should. A lot of times a change in behavior without a change in attitude, the behavioral change won't last, will it? I mean, you've tried new things. You've had New Year's resolutions. Did they last? Maybe they did sometimes. A lot of times they didn't. Maybe even most. It all depends. It all depends on force of will, I guess. It's a noble thing to want to do. It's even noble, more noble to attempt it. Many resolve, but they never attempt. And we could go a lot further down that rabbit hole. I don't really want to. But what usually cripples these well-intended resolutions about a new start. I'm going to have a new start in my life and then it doesn't work. Well, why didn't it work? Well, with new leaf turners, the problem is usually because of where they're deriving their strength to make the change. Does that make sense? New leaf turners are almost always deriving that strength from the self and not God. They're trying to derive it from their own strength, their own efforts, their own resolve, and their own force of will. Now, that works just fine if you have an extraordinarily strong self-will or an ex extraordinarily strong will. Self-will is a negative connotation. But a lot of people don't. And that's why they usually fail. The human will can be strong, but it is usually weak. And if you've ever tried to diet, you know that that's true. If you've ever, if, if you ever kicked smoking, you know that that can be very difficult. If you ever kicked drinking or tried to break some other type of vice that maybe wasn't even a sin. If you ever tried to amend your thinking or your behavior in any particular direction, you know that the human will can be awfully weak. It takes something extraordinary to drive that will. But real newness is only realized by a change in ourselves. A change in ourselves. And that change is accomplished by being in Christ. And that's our verse that we're reading out of. It's not going to be the only one, but that's our for our first point here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. And this harkens back to some of the things we've been talking about all year long, about how the things that we do stem from what in fact we are. Our doing is the direct result of our being and our condition, isn't it? And so he says here, if any man be in Christ, well, that speaks to our being and our state of being and what we are. If we are in Christ, then we're new creatures. And that means, as he says, old things are passed away. The things that used to rule us, the things that used to drive us, the things that used to propel us and motivate us, a lot of those things are gone. They're in the past. And then things that we did that perhaps we ought not to have or things that we did not do that we should have. These things move into the past for the Christian as they begin to realize newness of life in Christ. And this, brethren, sisters, this is the first step to a new start. It wasn't just the first step. That is the new start right there. A new beginning in our life. 
always begins by us being in Christ. And then if we are in Christ, our being, we are in Christ and then Christ is in us and then things begin to move in a good direction from there. Being a new creature in Christ provides the new condition, the new state of being from which all our doing can improve and can proceed. Okay, well, that sounds good. I like the sound of that, one might say. I could be a new being, a new creature, but then what then? Because here's something about whenever people try to do something, especially if it involves changing part of their life, changing part of their, uh, maybe even changing part of their personality. They realize that they're a grumpy old crab and they want to not be a grumpy old crab anymore. That's just one example. First one came to mind. You know, whenever a human, a man or a woman, sets about trying to do something that's new or change something about themselves or about their life, then one of the first things that they run into is the tedium of continuing it. And that's the other part, or that's another part of a successful new beginning in your life is continuing your new beginning, okay? Continuing a new beginning is, let's say, getting up the eighth time. Proverbs, turn with me if you would please, to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For the just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. And I want to focus on the first phrase in verse 16. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. And it really, just the first part of that, a just man falleth seven times, riseth up again. He falls seven times and rises up again. One secret to a successful new beginning is to always get back up after a fall. Always. Period. End of story. Never. Never, never stay down. Man, I don't think I can overemphasize that because, all right, you've lived on, if you're older than 10, you've learned this lesson, okay? And that you're going to get knocked down. It's not a case of, oh, well, sometimes you might get knocked down in life. Oh, okay, well, thanks for the Hallmark greeting card, you know, proverb there. But no, it's not just that simple. You're going to be knocked down. You live on the earth, man. This is a fallen world. People are broken. There is evil in society of all kinds from great to small. And we face challenges even as human beings and how much more so, at least in the spiritual sense, how much more so as believers do we face particular challenges that even the unbelievers do not face? Now, they face certain challenges that we don't because of changes that have been brought about in our lives uh, by being children of God. But you can't ever stay down when you get knocked down. So 
the wrong goal to have is to never be knocked down. The wrong goal, to, it's like people that make happiness the primary goal of their life. It's like, no, you're missing the mark there, okay? Yes, we should be, we can be happy. We ought to want to be happy. It's weird if people don't want to be happy. But the goal of life is rather to be what God wants us to be. And then in that, in being in Christ, we'll find a happiness that's there. But the goal is to be right. The goal is to be godly. The goal is to be what God designed us to be and to be pleasing to Him and to live pleasing to Him. And then we find a joy and a peace uh, wrapped up in that. And so that becomes sort of the bonus, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, happiness and joy becomes the bonus of fulfilling the will of God in our lives. You're going to get knocked down. There are things that will go wrong. There are things that will go wrong in an amazing way sometimes. And it will absolutely bowl you over. All right, well, then what? Do we quit? We throw in the towel. Let's use, let's use a couple natural examples. Anyone who ever built a successful company, I guarantee you, has been knocked down a bunch of times on the way from deciding to start a company to the point where they were actually successful. They got knocked down. Anybody who decided to have a marriage has been knocked down in their efforts of trying to have a happy and a successful marriage. Same thing with families. Same thing with inventions. Same thing with you name it. Any human endeavor is going to be subject to challenges and even failures. That's a word that a lot of people are afraid of nowadays. Well, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. And so as a consequence, they never try anything at all. There are people that bypass the gospel and reject the salvation message that is contained in it. Not just the message. They reject the offer because they're afraid that they won't make it. And it's like, wow, well, you know, why not just, why not just purchase your ticket on the way to hell then? If that's, if those kinds of fears are going to be what drive and motivate people, you never accomplish anything, you never win anything, and you will never see the kingdom of God. He says that a righteous man falls seven times. He didn't even say that a righteous man never falls. Now, a righteous man doesn't have to fall, but the reality of it is, People are prone to it. And that's one reason why God is so merciful, especially when a person has a penitent heart. And what I mean by a penitent heart is uh, a heart that seeks, doesn't make excuses for the fall or the failure and that seeks to make it right and get right back up as fast as they can. Okay, You'll get knocked down. Okay, we covered that. But you can't ever allow yourself the false comfort of staying down you can't rage quit on life and you can't rage quit on god say ah forget it i've been trying this christianity thing for fill in the blank for however long amount of time it is and i keep getting defeated by this particular battle or i keep getting blown over by this particular thing or i keep i'm just ah forget it well so much for that new beginning but if we have the attitude that we're told to have here in Proverbs, righteous man falleth seven times, 
and riseth up again. Now, I understand I'm taking that a little bit out of its context, okay? A little bit out of its context, but it's still every bit is applicable. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Well, what happens if a righteous man falls ten times? He'll get back up on the eleventh time. Well, what have I failed at this thing 15 times? Then you get up a 16th time. Let me tell you something. The secret to success in anything, just as much as a secret to success in the spiritual life, is to get up one more time than you've fallen. And then what happens is this. If you repeat that enough times and and. If you're not a fool, okay, and I'm using that in, in, the, in the barest definition, okay, a fool is someone who never learns, and that's what makes them a fool. So if we are not fools, and we continue to get back up every time we fall, or every time we fail, or every time we knock down, if we continue to get back up, at some point, we will learn what knocked us down, or what caused us to stumble and to fall, and then we will stop putting ourselves in the same positions that we were in that brought that failing or that temptation or that sin or that whatever it might be that brought that thing our way. At some point we learn and then we amend our behavior and then we grow. We grow. Let's take the example of an alcoholic or of a drunkard person that just never is getting the victory over their drunkenness, is never getting the victory over their booze or their drugs or whatever it is that they are. And so it's a constant state of temptation for them. Now in Cheyenne, we don't really have, I don't know if it's a Wyoming thing or a Cheyenne thing, they don't sell booze in the grocery store, do they? I have not seen a booze aisle here. And that's something I didn't even realize until I've been here a couple of years. So not the best example, okay, because how do I want to put this? In Washington, where we used to live, in Florida, where I used to live, you could. It was there. And so if you got someone who's trying to escape from that particular sin, and I'll call it a sin, not a vice, okay? I'll call it a sin, because it is. And so they're trying to escape from that, and they just keep failing. But every time they go grocery shopping, they go, they go down the booze aisle of the store and so they always fail and they always pick up a fifth of jack or something like that. Well, at some point, the light comes on in their mind and they realize, well, maybe if this is such a strong temptation and it's such a weakness in me, maybe I can start with just not walking down the booze aisle and putting distance between myself and this particular area of temptation. It's a good first step. And you can use anything to fill in that blank. I just picked an easy one, okay? Because Cheyenne is soaked in booze, all right? But it could be anything at all, any kind of sin at all. First, if it's something that so easily besets a person and they keep failing on that matter, we'll put some distance between you and the opportunity for that sin. Never stop praying in the midst even of that. This is just some nuts and bolts stuff here for Christian living. Well... And I've fallen and I've fallen and I've fallen. I keep falling and keep failing. We'll keep getting back up. Keep getting back up. And what happens eventually is that your, uh, this isn't the perfect phrase to use in describing it, but your spiritual muscles, okay, will get stronger. And especially as you rely on God, and then eventually you'll beat that thing. You'll beat it because you want to. You'll beat it because even if you fell too hundred times you got up two hundred and one 
And at some point, there won't be a 202 because you stop falling in that area of your life. And you give God the glory. You always give God the glory and you give God the credit and all of that. But part of it is because you just didn't quit. You just didn't quit. You got up again and you moved on and things improved. And then you got victory over it and then you moved on to the next challenge. So likewise, there's a difference between failing at a thing and being a failure. And maybe we're spending a little bit more time on on this part than I intended to, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm going to cover this thoroughly because a lot of people quit. They even quit the faith. A lot of people quit at things because they get discouraged. And when they get discouraged, they start second guessing themselves and they start questioning themselves. And that's well, no, I don't want to go down. I don't want to talk about that necessarily, but we'll talk about this. There's a difference between failing at a thing and being a failure. These are not at all the same thing. Even if we believe we failed in some task or responsibility, often those failures function as training. Don't they? Let me think of another real world example for us. Well, certainly everyone in here has started a job at some point in their life, one kind or another. Well, when you started that job and you were at the entry level and you'd never done it before, did you do, did you do everything perfectly and right on the money? Well, of course not. You probably made a whole lot of mistakes. You had to be trained. You had to be shown. You broke a few things. I used to work in construction years ago, and uh, that, that's about as hands-on a job as you can get. It was electrical work. And you don't want to make mistakes wiring people's houses. You burn a house down. People die. That's why they have standards. That's why they have electrical codes and things like that. And so... But still, you're new and you're wiring a house. You've never done that before. You're drilling holes and studs and you're pulling wires through them and you're wiring up devices, electrical panels and plugs and switches and all of that. But say you do something wrong. Well, what happens? Well, it gets inspected because that's why they have inspectors so people don't die, okay? Well, what happens when it's wrong? Well, you realize it's wrong and then what do you do? Well, you take your tools off and you throw them out in the dumpster and you walk off the job because you didn't do it per- you didn't do it perfectly the first time and you never ever ever do it again. How many of you ever watched the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show growing up? It was awesome. I loved that. It was one of the greatest cartoons ever when you're 5 or 6 or 10 or whatever. But there was something I noticed about the coyote. I know it seems like I switched tracks here, but I don't want to miss this, okay? There was something I noticed about the coyote, even at the age of seven, and it always bothered me a lot. He would, co- he would come up with this elaborate scheme to catch that stupid bird, okay? Just so he could eat. And it would go wrong because of some crazy fluke. And then he would never try the thing again. It was a one-off. Every attempt to catch the roadrunner was a one-off thing. It failed every time, but it's like you just knew that if he tried the same thing one more time, that the same freak lightning strike or whatever it was that caused his rocket to blow up or whatever to catch the roadrunner, you knew it wouldn't happen a second time because the chances were too remote. Are you following? Are we tracking what we're talking about here? 
Yes. Get up. Get up and do it again. Christian. Okay, so maybe 2018 saw some failures in your, in not, I don't want to call it your efforts to live for God, but maybe 2018 saw some failures in your living for God and, and in your life for God. So is that cause to just burn it all to the ground and walk back out into the same life that he once delivered you from? Of course not. Get up an eighth time. Get up the ninth time. Get up again as often as you must. Don't let your failures make you into a failure. Because let me tell you something. A man or a woman does not become a failure until they have quit. That's when. Isn't that how Thomas Edison invented the light bulb? Does anybody know the, the historical account of that? How many elements he tried to, before he found something that would actually work as a filament in, in that little vacuum bottle that was made the first light bulb? It was hundreds and hundreds of different materials he tried in his experimentation before, and I don't even know what the one that was a success is called, but until he found the one that actually worked. Most folks would have given up long before they, they hit that. They would have just said, oh, this is, this is a waste of time. It's not going to work. But he didn't quit. Now we have electric lights, although these aren't, these aren't his results. These are these awful fluorescents. Maybe 2019 we'll see these things changed out. Let's all pray that that works. We get some, nice, we get some nicer light fixtures in here. But... Um, so we let that failure, we learn from our failures, and then we do better. We learn from our failures, we pray harder. We learn from our failures, we walk closer to God, and we keep getting up. And as the more you get up, the, you'll find that the less times you even fall. The more often you get up, the fewer times you even fall. And then moving on, well, one might argue, well, I've failed a hundred times. So that's all right. Get up 101. That's how students become professionals. That's how disciples become masters. That's how God works in us in the same way. He said that he who hath begun a good work in you will be faithful to continue it. Well, man, what if God gave up on us the same way that we sometimes give up on ourselves? Man, then we'd have no hope. But God is patient. Listen to this. Let this sink down very, very deeply into our hearts tonight. Every one of us, let this sink down deep into our hearts. God is patient with you. I'm not saying that he just lets anything go. I'm saying that he's patient with you. He's patient with me. He's patient with us all. So shouldn't we be patient with ourselves? We should. That doesn't mean you just justify things that are wrong. I'm not saying that. Say, oh, I'm patient with myself. One day I'll get over this uh, while justifying doing it. That's not what I'm saying. But God is patient with us, patient in a patient work, working in us, working through us. The secret, the secret is in continuing what you started in God. In continuing what God started in 
you. Remember, the kingdom is worth it. The kingdom is really worth it. It's worth every stumble. It's worth every hour of discouragement. It's worth everything that can go wrong, that does go wrong. It's worth it. And if you'll remember back to some of our teachings out of Matthew, some of Jesus' teachings out of the Gospel of Matthew, where he talks about the things that the kingdom is worth and he likens it. And I've come back to this a couple times in the last month or so. He likened the kingdom of heaven to a treasure hidden in a field. And that the man who found that treasure went and sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field and so have all proper legal rights to the treasure that was in that field. It's worth it. The kingdom, the promises, the oracles of God, all that God has in store for us, the new name that is written down in glory, our names written down in the Lamb's book of life, the, all that He has promised us, where Jesus says that His Father's house is filled with many mansions, all that God has in store for us, not just in this life, but in the life to come, which things we can scarcely begin to even imagine what they're like. They're worth it. I can't say that enough. So, well, I'm discouraged. Well, get encouraged. The Bible's full of encouragement. If you're feeling down one day, open up the Psalms, man. You can almost go into the Psalms blind and just pick one and read it and it'll encourage you and it'll build you up and it will, because you read in those things a lot of what David went through, which is a lot of what we go through. And one other thing about David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Spend time with Christians too. Fellowship with one another. Build one another up as well. That helps. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. And finally, a successful new beginning is realized this is probably the most important thing of all. The last point about getting up every single time. That's critically important, but even more important than that, okay, is this. A successful new beginning is realized by looking unto Jesus. By looking unto Jesus. Turn with me to Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about or compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's stop right there. A lot of times when we read these verses, we, uh, we, we focus almost exclusively on the contents of verse 1, okay, where he says, um, laying aside the weights and the sins that, does, that, that easily beset us and running a race with patience. Well, that ties into what we just talked about, being patient with yourself. Being patient with yourself and also being patient with God. Not that God needs our patience, all right? He's completely self-sufficient. But be patient with God as well. When you don't see things happening in your life as fast as you would like to see them happening in your life. When you don't 
see solutions to problems coming and resolutions to challenges coming as quickly as you'd like to see them, remember that God is sovereign and He knows better than any of us. Amen? And so be patient with Him as well because impatience with God really doesn't work. I can tell you that. and Some of you may have learned that yourselves already at different points in your lives, different things that have gone on perhaps. But what I'm focusing on here though is this part in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. So He tells us all these things. Yes, lay aside every weight. That's the things that drag at our heels and hinder us from, from growing in God. And lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. And you could tack this into that even though He doesn't say it. You could say, get up every single time that you fall. Don't quit. Don't give in. Never ever throw in the towel because then you really tie God's hands where that's concerned. But And then being running the race with patience. Okay, yes. But it ties right into what He says in verse 2. So yes, we do all these things. We lay aside the weights. We lay aside the sins. We run the race with patience. But we do it all while looking unto Jesus. You do it all with your eyes on the prize. And you got to keep your eyes on the prize. The race is too long to take your eyes off of it. The Christian life has never been a sprint. It has always been a marathon. And so you've got to keep your eyes on where you're going in the eternal sense. If you keep in the focus of your mind, if you keep in your mind's eye both the king and the kingdom, Keep your eyes on your prize and you never lose your direction. You never lose sight of your goal. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Everybody who ever accomplished anything in life, ever built or created anything or became anything. Because some people, simple, some people they, have, they have goals not of building a company or, or raising a family or of doing things or whatever. Some people have goals of just fixing their own damage and, 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 <laughs> and being better people. You know? and, and that really ought to be everyone's goal no matter what they're trying to do in life. But anyone who ever accomplished anything or became anything first had a target in mind and pursued it. Keeping in their mind's eye their goal the whole time. Well, it's no different in the spiritual life. It's no different where the kingdom of God is concerned and where Jesus is concerned. When we keep that, and I know it might be difficult sometimes because we've never seen Jesus with our own eyes and we've never even caught a glimpse of that kingdom that is to come. And so you have to imagine it sometimes. But we know, regardless of what we've seen or have not seen, we know that Jesus is alive and that He is real. And we know that the kingdom is coming. It exists already. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is in you. The kingdom is in you. It's in you. And so there's a little bit of the goal realized you in, in you already. We keep that in the forefront of our minds. We're talking about new beginnings tonight. First, be in Christ. Live in Christ. That sounds like a big commitment. Well, it is a big commitment, but it's the only commitment that's going to get us there. It's the only commitment that's going to get us home to our Father in heaven. It's going to see us cross the finish line and here it's going to 
bring us to where we hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. First, be in Christ. Be in Christ every day. Live in Christ every day. And then, get up every time you fall. Get up every time you fall. And lastly, never stop looking unto Jesus. In fact, let me rephrase that so it's not a negative. You know, saying somebody never do something, it's right, but it has a negative angle to it, okay? Lastly, always look unto Jesus. Always look unto Jesus. Our goal is the kingdom. Our model is Christ. If we keep them in our mind's eye, if we keep looking unto Jesus, we'll never lose our direction. We'll never lose sight of where we're going. We will not become confused. Or if we do, we will not stay confused. Because let me tell you something about confusion. It is one of, only a, it is one of the devil's only two or three weapons. Fear, temptation, confusion. It's the same three weapons that he's been plaguing the human race with since, since the fall. Or since he tempted them in the garden. Okay. Confusion is not of God. Fear is not of God. Temptation for that matter, that's not of God either. So let's just sum it up like this and then we'll close. One more time. Start your new beginning by being in Christ. You continue your new beginning by never staying down, always getting up. And you achieve your successful new beginning by always looking unto Jesus. 2019, welcome to the new year. Let's have a new beginning. Let's continue it. And let's see it successful in Christ. And I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY giving.